So we will finish up 2 Corinthians today. I'm sure you're wondering what we'll do next. We're going to spend a couple weeks, I guess I'm calling it pre-Christmas. We're going to spend a week in Isaiah 7. A virgin will conceive and have a child and kind of look how that all works through in the Old Testament into the New. And then chapter 9, which is in a son will be given, a wonderful counselor, mighty father. We'll look at those two in two weeks before we get into a bunch of stuff about angels during Christmas. So, But today, uh, finishing up here, uh, last chapter of 2 Corinthians, um, which Paul throws some warnings across, which has kind of been a lot of what the le- letter's about, his apostleship and there recognizes. So verse, first four verses, this is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on the second visit, that if I come again and I will not spare them since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but it is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. So, you know, Paul, he didn't want to have to deal with all these rumors that he's heard um, and all these unsubstantiated accusations, but he, he's going to listen to them because he has to. Um, but they have to be established by two or three witnesses. This is an old Mosaic law uh, that's put down in Deuteronomy. The, uh, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that has been committed on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall charge be established. So he's bringing this back, and notice what he's doing with it. He's applying it to the new covenant. Now, this is actually in our bylaws. I don't know if you knew that. Um, if we're going to deal with any type of conflict in the church, this is, in the, and it comes out of actually Matthew 18. Jesus, we think it applies, Paul's applying it to a first century new covenant in Christ church. This is a very wise way to do it. It's not he said, she said stuff, one person. You've got to have two or three. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why two or three. And I read rabbinic stuff and all that, and I'm like, you know what? It's nice sometimes to know that you're no dumber than anybody else. Because I couldn't find much. But here's my take on it, and you can do what you want with it. Um, I wonder, and I'm thinking if you look at this in Hebrew, if you look at it in Greek, look at it in English, I think the first line is the key. A single witness is not enough. We don't want just gossip and hearsay. So you need two or three, and I think, or four or five, or however many it takes where you have enough to think we've got an independent and truthful. I think that's why it keeps going. I think you could go to more. Um, For instance, you have a, a couple brothers that are against another guy, and then they say, he did this, and they both collaborate. Well, that'd be two, but is that enough? Really kind of like one, maybe. And so I think that's what's going on here. So, you know, back to, you you look at this, you you go back to Matthew 18, it says, but if he does not listen, this is the idea, we had this when we went through forgiveness series. When you have someone that you have something against in the church, the first thing to do is go to that person one-on-one. That's wise, it's obedient, it's biblical. Um, Ninety-some percent of the time, that'll take care of it. Um, but if that they don't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Same thing that's in the Old Testament. 
So uh, he applies the national policy of the Old Testament to the legal procedures to be followed in the church. And what's the whole idea? People can say a lot of things, but is there evidence of this? Right? And that's, we don't want to just take somebody's word for it if there's no evidence. So what's he talking about? He's talking about all these things they're saying about him and about the gospel. And if he's got real proof, he's going to go in and take care of it. And this is just, it's practical. Nobody likes to do this. I realize that. But uh, Paul has written for chapter after chapter. He's not a big fan. But it's what we do. Um, and he says, if any of the Corinthian Christians fail to heed this warning to repent, Paul would discipline the person when he arrived. Which makes you think, how the heck is he going to do that? That makes me think that. Maybe it doesn't make you think that. Um, how is one guy going to go in there and discipline all these people? Because the Corinthian church was probably pretty big. Uh, probably a lot of people. Um, and then he says in verse 3, and this is kind of interesting. Since you seek proof that Christ is working through me, it looks like he's talking about some powerful discipline me, to me. I, um, we can't be sure precisely what kind of proof Paul has in mind, though it was to be indisputable proof. He's saying, when I come to discipline you, you'll know I'm no one to be trifled with. Is that, do you think he's going to yell a lot? You know, stamp his feet a lot? One wonders, and so one of the sometimes most troubling things that can happen when you're going through a text is you start wondering. And I did, and you're going to get a little of my wonder here. <laughs> I don't know. You can wonder with me. You've got this example, and I hate to bring this one. No, I don't really hate it. It's kind of interesting. Remember Ananias and Sapphira back in Acts 5? They got disciplined. Anybody want to remember how? Yeah, um... You remember that's the, they lied about, you know, stewardship and all that kind of stuff, and they lied about it again, and then uh, you can read the text there if you want. Um, but through the Apostle Peter, this strong discipline, and it's really strong discipline. Um, we don't have that in our bylaws, uh, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know how I would want to do that, right? Um, and the Holy Spirit does it. It's just kind of woo. Um, but it demonstrates that the apostles could exercise discipline and had physical effects. You know, you start wondering, again, this is just conjecture, be careful, but what kind of proof is he going to give? Is he going to, I'm not, I'm now don't, don't take this and say, well, pastor says that Paul went and killed all the Corinthians. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if he, he's going to do something, and maybe it's just convicting their hearts, I don't know, but we do have this out there, the power that's there. Because we always tend to think of the miracles as a positive thing. Well, this is a miracle, right? But it's not a positive one, at least in, in the sense of. So through, the, and you see this, the Apostle John, Jesus warns that he's going to revoke the blessings of the rebellious churches. You see this in Revelation. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Maybe that's Paul, what Paul's going to do. I don't know. Whatever that means to remove the lampstand. I'm not saying it, but it's taking away their authority as a church and being true uh, messengers of the gospel. And the apostle Paul warned that judgment would begin, or excuse me, Peter warned that judgment's going to begin with the family of God. He says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? And so it all comes back that you've got Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul. They're saying that the discipline will happen in these first century churches. Now, when you do that in our churches, there's one difference, right? We don't have any apostles. 
Um, and really, it's not about we're going to beat you up if you're not obedient. It's about following the gospel. It's about the teachings um, that he's trying to deal with. So I thought maybe that's what's going on here. I'm not sure. Whatever he comes with, it's gonna, they're going to know it. Um, I guess God does what God wants to do. This is first century. could be a little different when the apostles are around. But um, it's kind of hard to get that Ananias and Sapphira thing out of your mind sometimes, isn't it? I don't know if I've ever used that as a stewardship sermon yet. I think that would help or hinder giving. It might help giving, but cut attendance, I think, is maybe what would happen. Um, it's really not about that. It's about obedience, really. So. so at the very least, Paul must have been prepared to inflict some serious spiritual discipline on the church. Um, he believed the discipline to come would be so dramatic and, and even maybe supernatural that it would prove he spoke authority on Christ's behalf because there's some proof here. And when you hear the word proof, you tend to think of the supernatural stuff. Um, but you think about it, you know, you see this in movies sometimes or maybe you know people like this where you have, you know, these big, four big, huge, ripped guys that are doing something wrong and this little 95-pound mom tells them to quit and they listen. Do they listen because she's going to whoop them? I mean, she can't physically do anything. What's, what's there? There's something there, isn't there? You know, it's spiritual, emotional. It's, it's, it's about honor. And it's about doing the right thing. And so um, maybe that's what this is. And, and super, there's supernatural spiritual things going on if there isn't any physical things there. So he describes this discipline as living with Christ by God's power in order to emphasize that he and his company would act as God's instruments. All the apostles think that. We just read that in Third John yesterday morning in our Bible study, which you're welcome to come to. We do have donuts and stuff. So um, you do know how to get here on Saturday, right? You know, same, same route. Um, but we d- talked about that in there, about the, the, the idea that John clearly says, if they don't listen to us, if these people in the church he's writing to, this is in the Third John, doesn't listen to us, the apostles, then they're not, they're not, they're not right. He's very cocky. <laughs> the apostles really thought they had what it took and that they were commissioned by Jesus. So they would be instruments even on Christ's behalf for the discipline. So, so even harsh discipline would be for the Corinthians' benefit. It always is, hopefully leading to their eventual repentance. That's what it's always about, right? Isn't that what we do with kids? Why do you discipline them? Well, sometimes because they're annoying. I realize that. But it's, it's for their benefit, right? You know, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. No, that's not right. It's the other way around. No. Uh, and if you're not disciplining them for that, that's probably you're probably not doing it right. I think uh, uh, Hebrews says that. You know, discipline hurts when it's being done, but it, it's for a, a, a bigger benefit. And, w- and what you think of discipline, there's a word that we get, a biblical word that discipline is the root of. Disciple. It's a part of it. Um, it's a... Uh, now, again, please don't take that if we're really good Christians, God will beat us up periodically. No, it's the idea that we, God uses those things to test us, which is kind of what we get in verses 5 through 10. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. I hope, I hope you will find that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may do no wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may have seemed to have failed. 
For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. So he's emphasizing the idea that you should start looking more at themselves and less at him. They keep that we do that all the time, don't we? Yeah, I know I screwed up, but he did worse. You know, that's that Paul's saying, test yourself. You know, do we do that? Do we test ourselves? You know, are we are we how do you know if you're in the faith? He's saying, you know, test yourselves. Well, how do we test ourselves? How do we know that that the Christ and his spirit is at work in us? Um well, first of all, you see effects of sanctification in there. You know, I think I said this a few weeks back, a few months back, and somebody else taught me this. But at the end of the day, before I finally turn everything off and try to go to sleep, I, st- I get the Galatians 5.22 out and see how I did. And then I put my shirt on that says, I am humble. No, I'm not. <laughs> it humbles you really fast, I'll tell you what. I mean, it, it, you sometimes it, you get to the first one, you're okay, uh, all right, and it start it, it changes how you pray, it changes how you think, and again, it's not to get you know make beat yourself up, but if the fruit of the spirit is love, did I show that? Joy, did I have that? Peace, do I have that? Am I patient? Yep, usually when I get to four, I lose. Uh, I mean, I just can't hardly wait to get to four. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, that's one way to test yourself. Um, and I, I think with each other we can do this. this. You can do this in your life groups or your families and just say, how are we doing here? Now, be careful with this. It's test yourselves. Um, I had a lot of experience with that, like a lot of you. If your spouse is testing you, that can get testy. Well, you didn't show very much joy. <laughs> That doesn't work, right? Be careful. Be careful. This is test yourselves, you know. And then maybe you compare notes later. Um, but this is a, it's just about how, do I, how am I doing here? How am I? Because the Spirit's supposed, that's the fruit that's supposed to be there. Um, and the world's going to tell you different things. It's like, you know, well, this isn't the world. We're not, we don't really care what the world thinks, ultimately. Um, but then you think, well, what other things? You know, you've got, well, s- s- you know, Second Peter but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's a good verse. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, the very end of Second Peter. But you think about grow in the grace. You ever think we think about grace as something we get at the beginning of our walk, and then we kind of set it over here. No, you, you live by grace ev- all the time. In fact, the fact that you got here today is by grace. The fact that your phone changed for an hour. I mean, the fact that we can do anything is by grace. And I think, again, we, yes, grace is, we're talking about saving grace. Yeah, that's that unmerited favor we get. So we are seen by the Father as a brother or sister to the Son and blameless before him because of the cross. Yes, that's, that's the great, but you live by that going on. So grow in that grace. What's that mean? Start acting. Keep continuing. Go back up to the ones before. That's what grace looks like. Um, and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I will never, ever keep beating you to death with getting to Bible study, because it's for your benefit. Is this a commandment or a suggestion? It looks like it's almost a commandment. Now, does that mean you're going to hell if you don't go to Bible study? Yeah, no, no, it does not. 
it's it, it those of you who go and I see it, it we you learn a lot I learn a lot we get into some deep stuff you can't get that deep in a sermon your life groups are fine too and maybe and I know a lot of you do this on your own that's great I mean it's not to make you feel bad that's not our job completely <laughs> if you're a little guilty then good you know what are you gonna do with it you know it's just uh, we grow together with this stuff uh, and you might just learn something that happened th- yesterday morning. There was something I kind of had looked at the text, and I think, oh, can I got that? And then somebody said something, I'm like, I never thought of it that way. You know, we all can learn from each other. Iron sharpens iron. So, but that's it. Grow in the grace and knowledge. And we just do that. And that's not just head knowledge. That's not the point. It's that, but it's, it's the heart knowledge that comes from knowing. I mean, doesn't it help you to know when you leave today that you are saved by grace through faith and that you have eternal life secured because of the future strong promises of God, does that, that kind of makes me feel good no matter what happens, right? So it's not just knowledge, head knowledge, it's knowledge of what, of our heart and our soul and what God has given us. So, so if the life of any believer showed no signs of this spiritual activity, then the spirit was not working in him and Christ was not indwelling him. That's what he's saying. And we, people can say, well, how do you know? It's like, well, I don't know their heart. All I can look at is what Jesus said. A tree is judged by its fruit. You know, that's what, uh, and remember how we're supposed to judge, right? It's that word again. You're supposed to judge graciously. Always judge graciously. But if you don't judge at all, that's just being lazy, right? Oh, I see you're destroying yourself. Well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, those are the kids running around Walmart, right? Wait a minute, my kids used to run around Walmart. No, never mind. (laughs) Bad example. (laughs) Paul had already mentioned that the Corinthians were being tested. Yeah, uh, their response to his instructions would prove whether their faith was genuine. You're trying to prove to the apostle, and, and a lot of us just repent. You know, it's not like, well, look at me, Paul. I did better. You know, no, it's I, I throw myself on the mercy of the cross. He hoped that they would respond properly. He really did. Although the Corinthians were responsible to obey and to remain faithful to Christ, as we see here, Paul knew that only divine power could enable them to do so. And that's it. If you get from this sermon, I just need to try harder, that's bad news, in my opinion. My guess is you're already trying. But I have some good news for you if you're trying harder. You've got an advocate in the spirit and the other people in the church. That's how you do this. Just Oh, we just said it. Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, Christianity is not about trying harder. It's about focusing more. And then the trying will take care of itself. Philippians 2 kind of does this sanctification thing. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence but much more in my absence, which almost fits this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And yes, if you take that middle, people have taken that, well, I have to work my salvation. That's not what it's saying. It's saying this is important. Every day you need to work out your salvation. If you're saved, does it make any difference to your day? Does it make any difference to your week? Shouldn't it? And again, I'm that way. Some days you're like, well, I kind of feel guilty about that. Well, what are you going to do about it? You know, get rid of the guilt. Quit feeling guilty and start accepting the pardon and moving forward. Work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. Um, you're an image bearer. 
You were created in God's image to be Christ-like. That's our goal. Um, and it takes some effort. I realize that. Um, I mean, people can be annoying. And so, you know, and once in a while we can. Uh, you know, relationships are hard. That's pretty much what it's all about. I always said, you know, I don't mind being pastor. It's just all the people that are annoying. Any job's that way, right? You know? And now we got a whole segment of our population living in a basement and wondering and happy as a lark, but doing nothing for anybody but themselves. I don't think that's wise. Oh, I guess there's Zoom. Sorry. You can do that, which is fine. It's better than nothing, I guess. But now, he was confident that he and his company were true believers. He says that. He's, I don't know if he's cocky about it. You can make your own call there. So... They cannot, they're not going to fail the test. He's not going to, despite what others, and that's, that's whole book's been about that, right? How many times he got beat up and all these things he's shown that he's a true apostle. But Paul's desire was that the Corinthian Christians would come to maturity. That's his idea. I want you to be mature in the faith. Um, the Lord had given Paul this authority for building them up, not for tearing them down. And that's a very good thing to remember. If you're going to tell someone that they're doing something that's against what God would want, you better do it to ultimately build them up, not to tear them down. Sometimes it has to tear them down at first, I realize that, but that better not be your goal. Um, you know, you think of Jesus and how many times he didn't give a hoot of what other people thought. He meets Matthew, which if you want a really, really cool uh, video version of Matthew, the chosen, again, I know I've been hitting that, but... Um, Matthew character is just classic. But Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's an ostracized weirdo in this thing. And he is, you know, and, and he, he gets asked to follow Jesus. And, he, and, and then Jesus goes to his home with all these other tax collectors to have a celebration. And the chosen, they actually tell, hey, we're going to a party. And Matthew's go, oh, cool. And where's it at? Your house. <laughs> it's just really cool the way he does it better than I did with a Palestinian accent, which is really cool. But Jesus didn't care. They, they got mad at him. You can read in Matthew, this account. But he didn't care what people thought because he was there for the people who really were after him. And sometimes, you know, we may have people come here that don't do things they should and do do things they shouldn't. But they better darn well be welcome. Because I think maybe that's why we took this, because we do the same thing, you know. If they aren't welcome, then we're not acting like Jesus. We don't... We don't condone what they do, obviously. No. Because if you love them, you can't do that. But why don't we just start with caring about them, and then we'll deal with the rest of the stuff. The Spirit's going to change them if they change. You know, it's uh, if you care about them enough. So it's for not for tearing down. It's for building up. It's the discipline served to build up the church, the people. Paul was willing to inflict it when necessary. But his primary desire was to build up the church through positive means, which why you read the Bible, I guess, to some extent. So let's finish up here with the final greetings. Aren't you kind of sad we're getting done with 2 Corinthians? It's kind of a hard book to preach, I'll have to admit that. You, c you bring in there, it's like, all right, what in the heck am I going to say about that? But then you pray a little bit, and then all these things keep coming, you know. And it actually worked out. You guys can grade me later. I always grade you in the Bible study, so... Um, and if you do give me a grade, you get a point. <laughs> if it's above a B plus. But <laughs> oh, and if you, if the podcast, if you listen to my sermons, you get a point for that too. 
I mean, store up yourself points in heaven, right? We'll get to that eventually. Um, and you can send me a text if you want. That would be interesting. Final greetings. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Again, brothers is brothers and sisters, believers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may have heard that last line before. That's a liturgical line, a lot of liturgy, which is it's a great line. I mean, it's right out of Scripture, so it's cool. But Paul lists a summary of things of what this whole letter talked about. And they're all, they're all kind of cool. They're, they're all kind of Old Testament expressions that find their culmination in Jesus. Um, but you look at these. Rejoice. You know, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Rejoice. That doesn't mean you're happy when bad things happen. Don't get this wrong, folks. Um, it's back to the, the FCA thing, right? The main thing is remember that the main thing is the main thing. If you realize the main thing is your, your station, your place before a holy God. If you have blamelessness before him because of the cross, that's the main thing. And when you go through good times or bad times, the main thing is remember that the main thing is the main thing. <laughs> that it's kind of a funny way to say it, but it's, it's good to remember that no matter what. That's what we can rejoice. Joy is something that's spiritual to that point. It's, uh, it's deep. It's real. That's why we can rejoice all, all, always not because no matter what happens in our life, Christ still died. I still have the grace. I still have the eternal life. Nobody can take that away. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. Aim for restoration. That's the whole thing. Repent, believe, confess, live in grace. Comfort one another, which you can do online, but it's not nicer if you can do that in person. Um, even back when the, uh, some of you people, or kids might not remember this, but they used to have phones connected to a wall. And then it went off into some magic way to get to this. I think it was a tin can, but... Uh, but remember, you guys remember that uh, AT&T commercial? Uh, you know, it's the next best thing to being there. You remember, remember that one? Well, it's true. I mean, online is fine, but it's still the next best thing to being there. The church is the gathered people. And I know there's reasons why people can't make it, and some are very valid. But you can't comfort one another if y'all ain't with one another, right? Um, so that's part of what local churches are. Agree with one another. I think that really means agree with the pastor, but uh, <laughs> I think that's the goal, right? Not at all costs, right? You can't take this and say, Paul thought we should never argue. Why do you think they beat him up? Why do you think they killed Jesus? Because he agreed with everybody? And we turn Jesus into Mr. Rogers and wonder why they killed him. And so I, somebody texted me, I can't remember, Matthew 23 is always a good one to go to if you think Jesus is a lamb-petting sage. Um, they always will go to the mat for the truth. Live in peace. And I think that's not just the absence of conflict, it's the fact it's back to the joy. They go together. There's, there's that peace in my heart. It's what we'll talk about during Christmas. Peace on earth doesn't necessarily mean that nobody's fighting. Um, because there was peace in Soviet Russia for a number of years. Nobody seemed to ever say anything against the government. But was that real peace? That's not what we're talking about. Peace you have in your heart. So those are the things that are in there. And then 
he talks about this holy kiss. It's kind of like a handshake for us. I, have you ever, I, I, is it Italy? Has anybody been in Europe? Isn't there one place over there where they kiss each other all the time before they eat? And they go, how you doing? You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's on movies. <laughs> you know, and you spit on each other. That's, is that Italy? Let's go with Italy. I'm sorry if it's not. Um, you know, yeah, but it's a spaghetti and you eat the kiss. Um, the, uh, uh, isn't it funny if you've ever done that? If you're in the, I did that when I was in, in Israel. I would say, I would like to buy this thing right here, as if my accent turned it into Hebrew. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> and my friend Ted would always say, he just, he would just, because we were playing catch with a football. It took us, we were in Amman, Jordan. It took us like six hours to find a football, because everybody's like, a football, they give me a soccer ball. Well, I want football. Well, that's what it is over there. But we're playing catch in the, in the hotel uh, uh, lobby with a football, which I thought was okay. And this guy, one of the guys that was our tour guide come over there, and he has the ball, and I say, throw it to me! <laughs> like that. And Ted just lost it. He's on the ground. Because, <laughs> you know, if I say it with an accent, then he knows what it means. It's just kind of how we do it. But the, the, this kiss is a Middle Eastern thing. It's kind of like a handshake for us. We can start this if you want. Um, we've got a bunch of scope out there. No, we don't. It would be, <laughs> be a little bit different, right? Um, it, so don't get carried away with this. The holy kiss is not like some sort of weird thing. It's just the way they greeted each other back then. Um, so it's like a handshake or a hug, you know. And I know I looked around. We got handshakers and huggers here. Some, some people, you got, you know, you got the hug, and then you kind of got the man hug. You know, like that. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have a, a symposium on that later, uh, some other time. So, but that's what he's talking about. You know, greedy. It's a Middle Eastern thing. They would understand it, kind of cultural. And then at the end, you know, all the saints greet you. This is probably all the believers that knew who they were, saints and believers are synonyms. But, and then he ends with this great thing that a lot of liturgy use, it's great, you know, it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the, the, the way he does this is, is kind of cool because the grace of the Lord, because that's where grace is shown through the cross, the love of God and the fellowship, it's very Trinitarian because the way Paul does this is he uses, you can see it in Greek, it's got a little the in front of it, a little tone or toss, the God is always Father. So you could read this, the love of the Father. You know, the, that's, that's what this is, very Trinitarian. Because uh, the Father is God. Did you know that? It's just the way to do it. It's kind of hard when you got uh, one being and three persons to get this right. But I think this does a, a very good job. And then finally, this koinonia. Isn't that a cool word? Let's all say it together. No, you don't have to do that. Koinonia. Isn't that fun? It's just a cool word. Koinonia. Let's say it with an accent. Koinonia. There you go. That's very good. That means it's more than just having dinner together. This is living life together because we're faithful. You know, that's that fellowship. It's not just a place to have a meal, which is good. It's a place to be with God and in Christ together. Let us pray. Father, we, uh, as we finish this letter, what a great uh, teaching for us to understand. Uh, tough for Paul. My gosh, you were so, uh, so so in him with your spirit that he was able to go through all this stuff. We thank you for him, for his words, for the spirit that inspired him. And may we want to have this uh, fellowship, this koinonia, this comfort of each other as you uh, brought us together. May we uh, do that in Christ's name always.